It is great to be worshiping with you today. If we have not um, had the chance to meet yet, my name is Pat Malloy. I'm the lead pastor here, and I am uh, extremely thankful to have you spending part of your Sunday with us today. And just what a humbling honor it is to be able to stand before you um, this Sunday after Easter and just sharing God's word with you today. And, and I say this with all sincerity of just how grateful I am just to be to be your pastor, be able, to be able to stand here and uh, and talk with you. And quite honestly, often I feel very undeserving of being able to do it, and it's just a, a testament to the grace and the goodness of God. And uh, I mean, surely if, if God will use somebody like me, he will use anybody here. And uh, and I want that to be an encouragement to, to someone today. I, I was I was having a conversation with somebody this week, and we were we were talking about last week's message where we were, ta- where we were kind of talking about doubting Thomas and and, and really how kind of that nickname is, is a bit of an unfair one for him. And, and as I was talking, and, and we're going to revisit this statement a little bit later this morning, but it's this idea that God is not done writing your story. Like the fact that you are here today proves that God has more chapters to write in, in the story that he is writing of, of your life. And so no matter, no matter where you find yourself, I want you to know that God is still writing your story, regardless of where you are, regardless of what's gone on in your life. Even now today, he's continuing to work in and through you. And so I, I want to thank you for joining us in their series that we're calling Deconstructing Faith. And, and I've, I'll, I'll be honest with you, this is a very personal series for me because I, I'm talking about some of, some of my own journey and, and just from conversations I've had with a, a good number of you, a, a journey that many of you have been on uh, as well, and 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 so the, this topic, this series, it really is very, it really is very personal for me. And and so in our in our first week, we just kind of talked. It was a little bit of an introduction to this idea, this topic. And and our main point was that God is okay with our questions. He's okay with our doubts and our struggles. They, God is not intimidated by the by the, the the things that we struggle with and wrestle with that, that when we have when we have a hard time squaring what we believe or what we profess to believe with what the reality of life is god is okay with us coming to him in 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 those moments in those struggles and and last week on easter sunday we talked about doubting thomas or or maybe like we said a, maybe a better name for him would have been excuse me thomas the brave or or honest thomas or prophetic thomas and that Jesus met Thomas exactly where he was. In, in the middle of his skepticism and in the middle of his doubt, Jesus came and met him right there and said, no, I want you to experience me. I don't want you just to see with your eyes. I want you to physically experience me. And, and so before we kind of get into the, some of the nitty-gritty details over the next few weeks, today is almost kind of like a part two to last week's message, that not only is God okay with our doubts and our struggles, not only will God meet us in the middle of, of, of where we're at, but today I want to talk about how John, Jesus can restore our faith when we have doubts and when, when our fears and our disappointments have actually driven us away from him, that Jesus seeks to restore and draw us back to him. And, and so last week when we were talking about Thomas, I, we, we were talking about how what happened with Jesus after the resurrection. So, so after the women went to the tomb the, the Sunday following Passover, and they found that Jesus was alive, the tomb was empty, there was nobody there. And, and so for about 40 days, Jesus appears to numerous, uh, a number of his followers over the next 40 days before he ascends into heaven to be with 
his father. He kind of goes on this like post-resurrection tour where, where he makes different stops along the way. He makes different appearances to uh, some of his, his uh, followers that he had known prior to his crucifixion. And today, we're going to focus on one of those post-resurrection stops that he makes on, on his post-resurrection tour. And so we're going to begin in the text in John chapter 21, starting in verse 2. And so John records, he says, Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, which are James and John, and two other disciples were together. And, and so of, of the 11 disciples that were remaining, or, or maybe we can call it the 11 sellouts that, that were remaining, seven of them were gathered in one spot. And and then Peter speaks up, as he often does. As Peter, you know, like, he, he's the one that's got a big mouth. He's the one that goes out front and takes the lead on things. And he says, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, all right, <laughs> game on. We'll go with you. And so they went out and got in the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Now, this passage is, is incredibly sad to me for a number of reasons. Now, part of it is just I, I love to fish. I love being outdoors. I love just the, the peacefulness of it. I, I love just being in, in nature and just it's, it's relaxing. It's fun. It's enjoyable. But in the end, if you go fishing, you're doing so because you want to hopefully catch fish. But if anybody's ever gone fishing before, how many times, like we've struck out before too, like where you're going out there and just nothing's biting, you're not catching anything. My dad used to say, you know, we're just drowning worms here. And like, I, I mean, we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not catching anything whatsoever. And, and it can be frustrating. It can be a little bit discouraging saying, all right, like I got up early, I, I went and I spent all day, you know, out on the boat, out on the lake and just nothing. I have nothing to show for it whatsoever. And that's how us maybe as like amateur fishermen feel, but these guys were professionals. Like prior to, to them going and following Jesus, this was their livelihood. This is what they did. They were professional fishermen. And so I'm, I'm sure it, it was kind of like an added kind of like gut punch of saying, all right, like this is what we do for a living and we can't even do that. We can't even, we can't even catch any fish. But, but honestly, I think the saddest part of this passage for me is actually if we look back and we're kind of rewind the tape about three years prior, because we're going to find something, an almost identical scene playing out. That Peter and his friends, this is at the very beginning, Peter, he had not even met Jesus yet. And Peter and his friends, they're out on the boat, very same thing. They had been out fishing all night and caught nothing. And Jesus, he, he tells Peter, he says, hey, Peter, like, I want you to go to the deep part of the lake. Go to the deep part of the sea and cast your nets over there. And, and I can imagine, like, Peter's kind of annoyance having this carpenter come tell him how to catch fish. Like, I, I mean, in some ways it would be like an accountant telling an electrician, hey, this is how you need to wire this circuit. Like, it would just be like, stay in your lane, man. Just, you know, leave me alone. But, but he, he goes and he does it. Peter, Peter does it. And and, and he starts to haul in so many fish that his boat begins to sink. And, and so he calls out to his friends, and, and they come and help him, and their boat begins to sink. That's how many fish they started to catch. And on this day, the, the most lucrative day in their entire fishing career, Jesus gives them a change of assignment. In Luke chapter 5, verse 9, it says, For he, talking about Peter, was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught. 
as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon. He, he says to Peter, don't be afraid, but from now on, you'll be fishing for people. You're going to be pulling people out of the sea of death and onto the shore of life. And, and as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. Like, they, they, they were, they, like going back to, to think, of, think about the, where, where we are in this story for a moment. Like they, they, were, they were out there. This was their job, their livelihood. This is what they did. And this, this carpenter that they'd never met before says, hey, I want you to go and I want you to, to cast your net in the deep part of the sea here. And they bring in all these fish. And, I mean, the, the, the biggest haul they've ever had. And Jesus says, I want you to leave it all behind now. Because I got something different for you. Instead of fishing for fish, you're going to walk with me. You're going to fish for people. And, and we're going to share. We're, we're going to be bringing people out of, out of darkness and bringing them into light. We're going to be taking them from a place of spiritual death into spiritual life. And so going back to our story then that's taking place after the resurrection is what's so sad to me about this is that Peter and his friends... What, it, it's so sad to me that they ba went back to fishing at all. That they went back to the very thing that Jesus had called them away from. That three years before, Jesus said, all right, I, I want you to leave that behind, and I want you to follow me. I want you to come with me. And after just a short period of time, they actually went back to that very thing that Jesus had called them out to. They used to go fishing for fish, but Jesus changed their assignment. He said, no, no, you're, you're going to be fishing for people from now on. And here the, these guys are, going back to the very thing that they used to do, like ho hoping that it would fulfill them, hoping that it would, it would provide for them, hoping that it would pay, pay off. And in the end, the result was the same. They had caught nothing. Going back to what they did before just left them just as empty as before Jesus had showed up in their lives. And, and it's easy to kind of look at the scene and wonder, like, what in the world is Peter doing here? Like, like what, what's happening? Like, Peter had this amazing encounter with Jesus just a few years before. And he follows Jesus, and he walks with him, and he, and he sees Jesus do all these incredible miracles. He sees sight restored to the blind. He sees lame men rising up and walking. It, like, he sees the amazing things that Jesus has done. And how quickly he went back to the thing he used to do before. Like, why in the world would he want to go back to being a fisher of fish? Like, what, what happened? What happened to him that he walked away from everything that he had spent the last three years of his life believing and doing? Why did he go back? to the one thing that he had been doing before. And, and, and many of you probably know that on, on Good Friday, Peter, like, it was not a Good Friday for Peter. Like, he, he had a pretty awful Good Friday. Like, Jesus and his disciples are sitting down at the Last Supper, and, and Jesus, he, he again, he, he says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to die. This is what's going to happen. And, and Peter says, nope, <laughs> Jesus, not going to happen. Not, not on my watch. It's not going to take place. I, I'd rather die than allow you to die. And, and, and Jesus kind of corrects him. He says, all right, Peter, forget about dying for me. You're going to deny even knowing me. In Matthew 26, verse 31, it says, On the way, Jesus told them, Tonight all of you will desert me. 
For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and I will meet you there. And Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, that this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all of the other disciples vowed the same. And just a little while later, when Jesus has been arrested, everything that Jesus said came to pass. All, all of his disciples scattered just as he had foretold. And, and Peter, he begins, John records that he was watching from a distance of what was happening with Jesus. And in Luke 22, verse 56, it says, a servant girl noticed him, noticed Peter in the firelight and began staring at him. And finally she said, this man, he was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Strike one. Woman, he, I, I don't even know him. And after a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. Strike two. And about an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Strike three. And immediately, while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind that before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Peter left the courtyard and wept bitterly. And, and once he was done crying, once Peter was done crying, he went back to fishing. He went back to fishing. Back to the thing that he had done before Jesus had entered into his life. Now this is a little, a little bit of just a, a disclaimer here that some of what I'm about to share is just is my opinion. Like the text doesn't always share everything and so I'm going to attempt to connect some dots. So just, just so you are aware, I'm not saying this is 100%, but this is kind of my, my opinion of what is taking place here, what's happening. But but, but when, I, when I look at Peter, when I look at this interaction that, that Peter, he, he denied even knowing Jesus, and, and, and he, he just weeps bitterly, and then he goes right back to that thing that he used to do before. He goes back to being a fisherman. And, and I look at Peter, and I think he was just overwhelmed with this, just this incredible sense of disappointment. That for all of the times that Jesus foretold about his death, Peter never believed him. And I think Peter was entirely sincere. Like Peter being a, a good Jewish man, he, he knew the prophecies about the coming Messiah. He knew the, the, the Jewish people, like they had been waiting for millennia for the Messiah to come. The one who was going to make everything right. The one who was going to free his people from bondage. And, and in Peter's mind, he was thinking of physical bondage. He was, he was thinking Jesus was going to come, the Messiah was going to come and throw off Rome, and they were going to pay for how they had treated God's people. And so Peter begins arguing with Jesus. Every time Jesus said he was going to die, Peter begins to argue with him and says, no, 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 that's not going to happen. And in some ways, I get it. I get why he, he, he thought that. Because like, how are, how are we going to lead a cultural revolution if the Messiah, if the one who's leading it is dead. 
Like, that, that's not how this works. Like, if, 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 if we're really going to turn this world upside down, Jesus, you can't die. You're the one leading the way. You're leading the charge. Like, it, in some ways, I, I think of the way, the way Peter's trying to, like, process all of this, of saying, like, I, I thought Jesus was the Messiah. I thought he was the guy. I thought he was the one. Like, I gave, I, I left everything. I left all that I knew. I left my boat. I left my job. I left my family. I left it all to go follow this guy. And here I'm watching him be arrested, watching him get beaten, watching him get tortured, watching him get hung on a cross. Maybe it was all just a joke. Maybe, you know, like, maybe Jesus isn't who I thought he was. In some ways, it reminds me a little bit of of the scene at the end of Revenge of the Sith where Anakin and Obi-Wan, they have their battle on, on Mustafar. And, and I'm not in any way comparing Jesus to Anakin, but, but, but where Obi-Wan cries out and he says, you are the chosen one. Like, I, we saw you as a boy. We thought you were it. We thought you were going to be the one to bring balance to the force. And now everything, all the time that I invested and in pouring into this little boy, and training him. He was my Padawan, all of this, and now it's not turned out anything. Anything like I thought it was going to. Maybe, maybe this was all just a waste. Like, have you ever had that happen in your life? Where maybe you were just so utterly hurt and utterly disappointed by someone or something. Somebody you thought you could trust. They let you down. They betrayed that trust. Maybe somebody vowed that they were going to love and honor and cherish you. And they broke those vows. Maybe in your life you took a job and, and you thought, man, this is my dream job. This is what I've been waiting for. And that dream job turns out to be a nightmare. And, and you just, like, you're feeling like this overwhelming sense of, of regret and disappointment and saying, what did I do? Was this all just a mistake? Like, how could I have been so foolish? Why didn't I see what was going on here? Like, I think this is some of what Peter is dealing with and why he goes back to fishing. Like, in, in some ways, I think Jesus, or Peter in his mind, he's thinking of Jesus saying, you were the chosen one. And now everything that I thought, everything I believed in, everything I gave my all to over these years is coming apart. I walked away from everything. I gave up everything to follow Jesus. And it is not turning out like I thought it was going to. Maybe everything I believed was wrong. Maybe all the stories, maybe, maybe everything I believed and heard as a, as a boy about the coming Messiah, maybe I was just, maybe, maybe it's all just pff, Nothing. And he lets his doubts and his questions and his disappointments overwhelm him to, to the point where he goes back to the one thing he knows how to do. He's, in some ways, he's grasping for control. Okay, I, I don't know how to make sense of any of this other stuff, but I know how to fish. And so I'm going to go back to that. I'm going to go back to that one thing that, that's a comfort to me, that one thing that I, I feel good about, that I know, that I understand. 
he comes to this place of, man, this is not how I thought it was going to go. You know, in some ways, he's kind of saying, like, I, I followed Jesus. I thought you were the Messiah. And you let me down. You let me down. Like, do Peter's doubts and disappointments ring a bell for anybody in here? Because it sure does for me. Like, a, a number of years back, I had a, a real faith crisis. I'd been a, a follower, a believer for maybe about four or five years, and my mom called me up, and she was telling me that she had to have gallbladder surgery, that, um, that she had to have it removed, and, and that the, the next day they were going to be doing an ultrasound just to do one final check, and then they were going to perform the, the surgery. Now, now, my mom is not a believer, and, and so as I was talking with my mom, I, I, I truly thought, I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me to pray for her, just pray for complete and total healing for my mom. You know, I, I told my mom, I, I said, you know what? My God, is, is he's a healer. My, my God heals, and, and, and I was going to pray for her, and, and I was believing that when she went to the hospital, when she went for that ultrasound, that they were going to find nothing wrong, that she wasn't going to need this surgery. And, and in my mind, like, I was thinking, God, this is your chance. Like, God, God, this, this, God this is your opportunity just to, to, for my mom just to, like, come to that moment that you're going to heal her and she's going to see your amazing power and just put her faith in you. And so I, I, I prayed with every ounce of faith that I had. And I firmly believe, like you couldn't convince me otherwise, that when that ultrasound was going to take place, it was going to show nothing wrong at all. And as you can probably guess, mom went for that ultrasound the next day and her gallbladder was still a mess and it still required surgery. And she had to have it removed. And, and I, just being honest with you, I was crushed. I was crushed. Like I was saying, all right, God, I, I don't get it. God, I know you can heal. And not only, God, not only did I make myself look foolish, but now, God, you made yourself look foolish. Like, here, I went to bat for you. And where were you? Like, in, in some ways, like, I was thinking, all right, here, God, I'm tossing you a softball. Like, I, I am setting you up that, you know, you, you can just hit that home run and, and you know, like, it, it's just going to work out perfect. And none of it played out like I thought it would. And this is the space that Peter finds himself in. That I believed this thing with my whole heart, with my whole being, to the point I was willing to walk away from everything and completely follow after you. And it's not turning out anything like I thought. And so his response, the way Peter handles this situation, he said, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go fish for fish. And there's some in the room today, I'm quite certain, some that are watching us online, because I'm definitely one of them, that has walked this, this, this path with God, that, the, this faith journey, and has wound up being disappointed from time to time. Wound up being disappointed with God. I, I've, I've been there. 
Like if we can just be real in church this morning, there's plenty of times I've been disappointed with God. Because God, you didn't do what I thought you were going to do. You, you didn't, uh, I don't want to say behave, you didn't, do, you didn't act in the way that I thought. I had this idea in my head, and now it's something completely different, and I don't know what to make of this. And there's times when we face moments like that where we say, all right, I don't know how to make any sense to the, about this, so I'm going to go back to this thing that was comfortable. I'm going to go back to this thing that's familiar. I'm going to go back to this thing that gives me the semblance of control because I don't understand anything over here, but this one thing, I, I, I understand this. I get this. And so I'm going to go back to that because I'm having a really hard time trusting you right now, God. So I'm going to trust me. I'm going to go back to this thing that I know. And I want to share with you this morning that if you're in that space now or you've been in that space before, I want you to know like Jesus' entire ministry was devoted to those who were mess, messed up and didn't know which way was up and which way was down. Like when, when, on, when Jesus was on his, his post-resurrection tour, he didn't go and find the people that stuck with him every step of the way. He went and found the people that turned their back on him. Jesus went searching for the people that ran away, that were afraid. Jesus went looking for the ones whose faith had been shattered and didn't know what they believed anymore. And if you can in any way relate to the story of Peter, you're in luck because Jesus is coming looking for you too. So to go back to our, our story, while, while Jesus and his boys are out fishing on the boat, here, here's what happens in John 21, 4. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood there on the shore, but the disciples did not recognize that it was Jesus. And, and I love this. Like, we, we could stay here for, for quite a while. Jesus puts himself right in the very spot where he first called Peter three years before. At that boat launch on the, on the, on the sea. Where, where, where he had said to Peter, hey, Peter, walk with me. We're, you're not going to go fishing for fish anymore. You're going to go fishing for people. Walk with me. He goes back to that same spot again. And the, and the fact that they didn't recognize it was him. I mean, it, like, th this is a whole different sermon in and of itself for another day. But sometimes it's hard to recognize Jesus is right there when we've gone back to that thing that he pulled us out from in the first place. And in verse 5, he calls out to them. He says, friends, haven't you any fish? And, and isn't this, I, I, I love this so much in verse 5. He, he calls out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? These guys that deserted him, these guys that, that betrayed him, the, the, the ones whose faith was hanging on by a thread, the ones who were saying, I don't know, like, I, I thought Jesus was it. Maybe he's not. And he calls out to them, friends. Friends, that no matter where you are, no matter what it is that you might be struggling with, or maybe what you've gone back to that you said you weren't going to, Jesus is calling out to you, saying, friends. But then he does something that just cracks me up. Like, you, you can't tell me Jesus doesn't have a sense of humor. Because he, he calls out and he, he says, haven't you any fish? 
Like he's like, hey guys, how's it going out there? Remember what happened three years ago? This same situation, this same scenario? Catch anything? Have you found what you're looking for out there? And the answer is, no. (laughs) It's not going well. This isn't what we thought it was going to be. Like, this thing I thought I was good at, apparently I'm not good at this either. This thing I was striving to have control over, and now I don't have anything. And he says to them, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you're going to find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And this is such a a beautiful moment because, especially for Peter, Peter, Jesus was taking him back to the beginning. He was taking him back to that place where he called him initially, where he said, hey, Peter, I want you you to come out of your boat and I want you to follow me. I want you to walk with me. He's taking him back to that place where Peter first put his faith in him, where Peter first trusted him. And they had so many fish, they had trouble bringing it in. And and Jesus, he's kind of saying, hey, Peter, remember? Remember? Remember at the beginning? Remember three years ago? Remember that time you first followed me? And you put your trust in me and you put your faith in me? Remember when I told you to do something crazy? Like you've been fishing all night and, hey, go out to the deep part and do it there. And you pulled in this, this, this massive load of fish. And remember that next crazy thing I told you to do is drop everything and come with me and you did it? Remember? Like I'm bringing you back to that place again. I'm inviting you back to where we were three years ago. That regardless of, of, your, of your disillusionment and your disappointment, I'm inviting you to come back. I'm inviting you back to faith once again. This was the exact same scene where Jesus first called Peter to join him. John continues in verse 7. says, Then the disciple who Jesus loved, which is John, he's, I love how John writes about himself. Like, he, he, he calls himself the, the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, now, the disciple that Jesus loved, he said to Peter, he's like, hey, it's Jesus. It's, it, this is him. Don't, like, don't you see it? It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard this, that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work. Don't take that out of context. And jumped into the water, and he headed to shore. And the others stayed with the boat, and they pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from shore. And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Jesus says, Peter, I want you to bring some of the fish that you caught. Bring it, bring, it, bring it over here too. And so Simon Peter went aboard and he dragged the net to the shore and there were 153 large fish and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have breakfast. Come be with me. Come, come back. Like, and, and there's so much here. Like, and, I, and I love this because not only does Jesus go back to that same exact spot where he first called Peter, But when they came ashore, breakfast was already waiting there for them. That the fish that they had gone after, the fish they had been trying to catch all night, Jesus already had some. 
The thing that they went looking for, Jesus saying, hey, I had it all along. I had what you were looking for the whole time. You went out searching for fish last night, but I had what you were searching for right here already. But then he invites Peter to bring some of the fish that he caught as well. And this makes me smile because, like, Jesus didn't need Peter's fish. Like, I think about this with, with you and I. Jesus, he doesn't need us. He doesn't need our gifts and our abilities and our talents and our charisma. And, you know, he doesn't need any of that. But he asks us to bring it anyways. He said, oh, I, I want to partner with you. Let, let, let's do this together. Let's eat together. And this is how the, this chapter of the story ends with Peter in verse 15. It says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. And Jesus repeated the question again. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Well, then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. And then a third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Because three times on Good Friday, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. And three times on this day, Jesus restores Peter by asking, do you love me? Like in the same way last week when I shared about how, how Jesus appeared to Thomas, Jesus didn't chastise, he didn't criticize Thomas, he didn't belittle him or question his faith or anything like that. He came and met him right where he was. And, and Jesus' response when, when Peter's faith was completely shaken, Jesus' response was not to make him feel bad. It wasn't to get on his case. It wasn't to give him a spiritual spanking. Like, like how, did, how did Jesus respond to Peter's doubts? Like, how did, how did Jesus respond when, when Peter may have been questioning everything that he thought he believed? Everything he thought he knew about the Messiah. When, when, when Peter is questioning everything he, he, everything he had experienced over these last three years. What did Jesus do when he met Peter at the same exact place when he originally called him? And they met at that same place where, where Peter tried to walk away from his calling, go back to what he used to do. How does Jesus respond? He invited him to breakfast. He invited him to breakfast. Come, sit, have, have a meal with me. Let, let me remind you of how, he, how you first responded in faith to me. Let, me. let me take you back to the beginning. The beginning. Let me remind you of who you are, that you're no longer a fisher of fish, you're a fisher of men now. Let, re, let me remind you of who I called you to be and what I've called you to do. I've, I've asked you to go and to feed my sheep. And, and likely, like Jesus didn't answer every question that Peter had. I guarantee you Peter still had some doubts, still had some struggles, even after this, of saying, all right, I'm grateful for this, but what, what about that whole throwing off Rome thing? What, what about our political revolution that we've been hoping for and waiting for? 
I'm quite certain Peter was still left kind of disappointed with that. But Jesus restored Peter, welcomed him back to a place of faith. There, there wasn't judgment, there was an invitation. And while they sat there, while they had breakfast, Jesus just asked him this, this basic question of faith. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And for those that are wrestling with your own doubts this morning, who, those that are wrestling with your own disappointments, maybe your disappointments with God, your disappointments with, with Jesus, wrestling with those questions that you don't seem to have answers to. Jesus is inviting you to breakfast. He's saying, just come be in my presence. And he's asking that same simple question, do you love me? Do you love me? Because in the end, that question is the most important one. Not, is all of your theology correct? Not, do I fully understand all that God is doing around me? It's, it's not, do I completely trust God at all times without doubt, without question, without struggle? That's not what the important question is. Jesus says, do you love me? And if our answer is yes, that's what matters. That's what matters. And so allow, allow me just kind of bring this home for us then today. That for, for those who maybe feel like you're having a, a, a crisis of faith or maybe you're, you're questioning what you thought you knew about God or about Jesus or about the church, about grace, about following him, or, or maybe you're not sure what to believe about any of this. Maybe for people in the room that feel like, all right, I, I, I've tried. I've tried to walk this journey of faith, and I just feel like it's just let me down. Jesus is inviting you just to come back, to be with him again, to, to come back to that place where you first encountered him. That pure faith that Peter initially had, where he was willing to drop everything, and follow Jesus. Like, like that, that's the invitation that Jesus is, is extending. Would you come back to that place where you first encountered me again? Where you first trusted me? And he's saying, do you love me? And if we can answer the way that Peter says, the way that Peter did, Jesus' response will always be the same. All right, let's just take the next step. You may not have all the answers, but let's take the next step. Let's get back to what I called you to do. And so I want to close with, with just a, a final thought here. And I shared at the beginning of, of, of the message that, that God is not done writing your story. God's not done writing your story. That, that even in our struggles and our doubts and our questions, God's not finished yet. He can and he will restore and reconstruct our broken faith. And for Peter, his, Peter's denial of Jesus his crisis of faith, it didn't disqualify him. If anything, it actually prepared him for what, for what he was going to do next. Because just a few weeks later, on the day of Pentecost, Peter actually stands up and he gives one of the most powerful off-the-cuff sermons ever in Acts 2.14. Peter stood up with the 11 and he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And, and as he preached, he, he just kind of like, he didn't have notes, he didn't have any, like, he just shared about who Jesus was, what Jesus did. 
And in verse 41, it says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And I want to encourage you that those who are, who are wrestling, who are contending with your faith, and you may not preach in front of thousands, but I guarantee you that your story is going to be a blessing. It will be an encouragement to somebody out there who needs it. Even in your doubts and even in your struggles and even in, in, your, even in your questions. Even, even a, a crisis of faith, we're saying, I, I'm, I'm not sure. God can still use that. And so let me pray for you this morning. Father, I, I, I am so incredibly grateful for you. I'm so grateful for the grace that you show us, Lord, for the way that you, the way that you're grateful for the grace that you show us, Lord, for the way that you, the way that you move, the way that you continue to draw us to you, Lord. And, and God, that you come seeking after us, Lord, that, that you... In the middle of our doubt, in the middle of our questions, even when we've gone back to that thing that, that you've called us out of, that, that's so easy for us to go back to, when we've tried to have control, Lord, even in the middle of that, God, you still come after, you still pursue us. And I thank you for that, Lord. And I pray for those in the room this morning that, that maybe feel overwhelmed with, with their questions and maybe feel overwhelmed with their doubts and, and, and maybe feel like Peter did where, where Jesus, I thought you were going to do this. I thought you were like this and now I'm seeing that you're not and, and I'm really struggling with what to do with this. God, I pray that you would meet them right there, that you would invite them to breakfast and just be that you would bring us back to that place, back to that beginning where we first had that encounter with you, where we first trusted you, where we first heard about you, first put our faith in you. God, bring us back to the beginning. And God, I pray that you would restore those that maybe are, are, are struggling, maybe have a shattered faith, maybe, maybe aren't even sure what to believe, that where it just feels like the, the world is just spinning out of control and I don't, even, I don't even know which way is up. God, I pray in the middle of that that you would sit that we would sit and have breakfast with you. We would just talk. And God, that you would bring us back to that place, that, that simple place, that simple question, do you love me? That's the building block right there. That's the building block for reconstructing that faith. Do you love me? And God, I pray for my church family today. I pray for those that are struggling, Lord, that you would help to reconstruct that faith once again. That instead of walking away, Lord, we will walk to you. Instead of walking back to that thing we used to do, that thing you called us out of, Lord, we would be walking back to you, back in that place that you've called us to be. God bless my friends. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.